smartcast you're listening to a hindustan times production brought to you by hd smartcast welcome to season 2 of our podcast ticks for free in which we discuss all things football i am dhiman and with me is my co-host vivek messi The Moroccans made history on Tuesday night by reaching the quarterfinals of the FIFA World Cup for the first time ever. They stunned Spain, beating them 3-0 in a penalty shootout after a goalless draw at the end of 90 minutes of regulation time and 30 minutes of extra time. Pablo Sarabia, Carlos Soler and Sergio Busquets were the ones to miss the penalties for Spain, while Ashraf Hakimi, born and bred in Spain, produced a penenka to win it for Morocco. Morocco have become just the first African team since Ghana in 2010 and the fourth overall to enter the quarterfinals of the World Cup. Uh, Diman, where does this achievement of Morocco's rank? up there i would say up there with uh, cameroon and uh, senegal uh, yeah. ghana this is the first time that they have gone that far this is the first time since 1986 that they made the uh, knockout rounds of a world cup and that all this is happening in a place which is part of their region in a competition that is also being called the arab world cup actually gives it a completely different twist a different dimension i mean it would have been very significant had this happened 4 uh, years earlier or 4 years later but for it to happen in the arab world everyone here has been a morocco supporter i met somebody from saudi arabia who was wearing a morocco flag yesterday and he said that now that his team was out that is the only team that is supporting so the coach walid regragui had said that uh, you could fill two stadiums i think he was being conservative so to do this in this region to make the quarter finals beating spain i think is it's phenomenal it's an incredible achievement right right uh devan you did mention yesterday that a lot of the neutrals and as you mentioned a lot of the locals are supporting morocco steam, i mean all of them i think all of them yeah the steam uh, has a lot of people who were born and bred in other countries isn't it it's a very uh, in that way it's a, it's a very multicultural team there are, there are outside influences a lot of players who were who are from spain from france Yeah, so it seems to seems to be a good bunch of players. Yeah, because you see, multiculturalism is something that is part of football. Now, I mean, look at multiculti is a word that the Germans often would use to describe their football team. Look at how that team has changed over the years. Uh, France's football team. Look at how that has changed over the years. I mean, think of the France teams in the '82 and the '86 World Cups, and think of the France team now. Think of the France team that won the '98 World Cup, then played the final in 2006. So. multiculturalism is a thing with football now as european countries have opened their borders uh, as canada has opened its borders uh, alfonso davies plays for canada real mbolo plays for switzerland so multiculturalism is a thing with football what has happened with spain and morocco is that these are countries that are next to each other these are countries that share a maritime border these are countries that are across the strait of gibraltar so they do have historic relations between them. there are cities in spain that have more of morocco in them than spain so um, they do have a strong connection they have had a strong connection so it was it's not unusual to see players being groomed by the spanish football system 
then them deciding to play for Morocco because as I think I've read somewhere that you know Hakimi said that he felt more Arab he felt more connection to the Arab world so he decided to play for Morocco so I think it has obviously benefited the team and Walid Regrouis accepted that at the press conference yesterday after the game when he said that you know a lot of journalists had said why are you not using Morocco based players so he said well to me the thing is you have to use the best players available and these players are proud enough to play for their country if these players are are willing to do give their everything for the Morocco team then why not pick them and he's been proved right this is a very well drilled team i mean to be able to do what they did against spain who had 74 75% possession i don't know but it's crazy i mean the the focus the energy the drive and the determination that they showed before the tiebreaker actually made them deserving winners i mean they 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 wanted it more they simply wanted it more Right, right. A lot of the Moroccan players do play in Spain. In fact, the goalkeeper Yasin Bono, who was sensational, he plays for Sevilla. Uh, Deman, let's mm-hmm. come to Spain. Uh, in the pre-match press conference, uh, Luis Enrique, the Spanish coach, had said that he had asked his players to practice thousand penalties after their exit in the Euros last year. Clearly, they need to do more practicing. Of course, they do. But the thing with penalties, I mean, this is where I think uh, Luis Enrique said that the pressure was manageable, and I think it was the pressure that got to them. It. may not have been the practice because ultimately you do practice you but you practice in, in you know in 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 a sanitized condition you practice at the training ground where there are five people watching and uh, that's okay crucially spain got the, the penalties happened in front of the pocket of spanish supporters so much to their delight so you know in that sense spain should have been able to have dealt with the pressure but credit to the goalkeeper also for guessing right he guessed right on all three of the shots sarabia shot hit the post so okay um, so you can call sarabia a little unlucky but he had gone there the bunu had guessed right and gone that way so even if sarabia shot had not hit the post it could have been saved and the other two he he guessed right and saved he said it's a bit of luck maybe it has a lot to do with him playing in la liga because he's seen these players take penalties he studied them obviously um, but the, when a goalkeeper guesses right for all three shots you have to give the goalkeeper credit and you have to realize that maybe it is the pressure that got to spain and look at hakimi's uh, final penalty that pressure was mind blowing he just calmly chips it over he does a panenka mm-hmm. so while morocco handled the pressure better spin didn't so however much you do that homework however many shots you take and at the end of the day it does boil down to the ability to deal with pressure and i think spain couldn't yesterday right right uh more than penalties i think spain would be more concerned about their lack of penetration in normal time uh having so much possession is what obviously every team wants but a lot of the possession one would argue comes from sideways passing and not necessarily attacking intent uh, how do you see it Yeah, true in this world cup we've seen that you know japan showed that with 17.7% possession you can actually beat spain mm. and morocco showed that you can take them to penalties you see football gets into trends and football finds ways to come around get around those trends so possession now has been countered by if you can keep your defensive discipline if you can keep your focus you let them have the ball it is what they do with the ball as taylor reem of the usa told us in the mix zone in one of the after, i think it was after the gaming as iran let them have all the ball that they want what are they going to do with it so okay spend it up clear you know some half chances 
who actually had the clearer of chances i mean look at the look at the breakaway moves that they had in the last uh, few minutes of the game it was unai simon that yeah. took the game to penalties uh, had that goal happened then morocco would have won in extra time and you wouldn't have needed penalties so possession works possession works uh, on days you get it right and you know it's uh, there will be days when spain will again win 7-0s but as with football as it constantly evolves there have been ways you know teams have shown that possession can be countered i mean it may not look good it may look very jose morino for for want of a better word uh, but uh, it works i mean uh, it is it is not whether you have the ball but what you do with the ball so uh, but that's how spain play that's how they are culturally done uh, they've been playing for a long time and um i don't see that changing really it's belief in that system i don't see that changing because if they try to change that they need an overhaul which will mean a lot of problems right i don't think they need to necessarily change that but i guess as you mentioned it's about how they use that position better to to be more effective in front of goal portugal had no such issues meanwhile they brushed aside switzerland 6-1 the big talking point from the game was captain ronaldo being dropped to the bench by coach fernando santos and his replacement gonzalo ramos produced a stunning hat-trick scoring in the 17th 51st and 67th minute pepe rafael guerreiro and rafael leao were the other scorers for portugal uh diman we don't know much about ramos except that he is 21 and plays uh, club football for benfica but uh, scoring a hat-trick in a round of 16 game a remarkable impact the only hat-trick in the world cup so far and yeah. uh, the fact that he he's also the primera liga's highest scorer but it is not exactly a well followed league in the world which is why we don't know much about him but now we will i mean to have replaced cristiano ronaldo your options are limited you have to succeed because the world and its uncle is going to turn around you and say that you know you've kept somebody like ronaldo on the bench now we've got a situation where ronaldo is unlikely to start i think in the quarter final as well and which to me uh, dare i say this uh, at the risk of being very unpopular is good news for portugal because when ronaldo's around as has been seen at manchester united and at juventus he may get goals but the team's goals come down the teams have a tendency to play to him and that makes them very restricted in their attacks but when ronaldo's not there as we have seen with manchester united now and we saw with portugal yesterday uh, teams look better this is in no way taking anything away from ronaldo's extraordinary area of talents but it is just that as he's gotten older he has struggled to assimilate himself in a team and that he possibly always has struggled to assimilate himself in a team but his but his abilities have waned with time and now it is obvious that you know teams struggle when ronaldo is on the pitch which can be a contradictory thing to say really but it is what it is Right, right. Uh, they are going to irk a lot of Ronaldo fans, but I was just about to say that Portugal look a more dangerous and mobile team without Ronaldo in the lineup. Devan, we know that Ronaldo is in the twilight of his career. Do you think this is pretty much the end then? If he's not going to be playing a, a more prominent role with the Portugal team, it won't be surprising. Look, if Portugal go through, if they go through to the semi-finals, uh, it'll be the first time since two thousand six. they don't make semi finals very often they won the nations league in 2019 they won the european championship in 2016 so it will be a continuation of a good run really so 
at the end of it all it will be celebrated as an achievement that the country has done which is great because football at the end of it all is a technical collective sport it is not a sport that where 11 individuals are doing their thing it is how 11 individuals combine to get the best out of a collective that is what football is about so if portugal do make the semi final or if they go to the final it will be celebrated as a triumph of the collective in so far as ronaldo is concerned a great career a man who's been there for two decades he's the world's most successful international goal scorer the end could have been better but if it ends this way there really should not be any reason for complaint there really should not because it's it's been a phenomenal career it's been a phenomenal career where he uh, has won everything at the club level and he's also done well internationally so uh, whichever way this goes actually i think ronaldo's end will be celebrated even if it is not so much about the individual but it will be celebrated because it's part of a collective which as i said earlier is what football should be right right we have our eight quarter finalists now barring morocco upsetting spain the results have gone pretty much as expected we have netherlands mm. facing argentina france facing england croatia versus brazil and morocco taking on portugal diman uh, from the four quarter final matches that we have coming up which is the one that is probably exciting you the most or uh, the one that you're looking forward to the most um, actually more than one i mean it's see i i'm i'm very interested in seeing how croatia manage the game against brazil who have such attacking flair and who have shown the world what their attack is capable of i mean you have players who are juggling balls on their forehead and scoring goals in a world cup i mean these things happen in in circuses but they're doing it in uh, knockout games of the world cup but yeah. that's it it will have to be seen how croatia manages so that will be interesting at one level it will be the same with argentina and netherlands because argentina go into the game with all the pressure to win messi always has pressure till he wins the world cup but netherlands have the maturity of players to deal with that deal with exactly the situation either they have blind they have deong they have van dijk they have ake and they have very they have memphis they have dumfries and they have a very young promising player in well not very young in in gakpo so it will be a game again as to how netherlands contain argentina and try and do something on and they have luis van hal so uh, those two games are interesting for uh, reasons of you know how one team absorbs the the pressure that the other can give but also has the ability to do something on their own morocco i think will be very knackered uh, and they have a lot of injuries going into it they've already overachieved they really have nothing to lose but this also gives portugal their best chance to make the semi finals for the first time after 2006 i think that's three games england and france and that is a game i'm really looking forward to because how mbappe will be contained and there has been no way to do that yet again football does find a way around things i mean tiki taka was at one point in time said to be the thing that uh, there would be no answer to people have found answers to that people have shown their defensive resilience japan have here uh, morocco has so football does find a way but right now it, it 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 is not evident as to how you can stop mbappe so how mbappe is stopped and how much it affects the england uh, england's ability to play in a game of attacking football is going to be i think the, the quarter final that will be most interesting you see defending champions have a tendency to go out in the first round hmm. but this is a team 
that actually looks like they can do what was not achieved since 1962. And I think that how England contained them, whether England contained them, can England contain them, is possibly the quarterfinal that I'm looking forward to most. Right, right. Uh, it will be interesting to see England's game plan. Uh, Kyle Walker is a very attacking right back. Obviously, he'll have his fair share of defensive work against Mbappe. But uh, whether yeah, Southgate goes with someone like Walker at, or looks for a more defensive option, I guess, will be interesting to watch. Yeah, it'll also be important to stop Mbappe in the midfield because uh, as as the as the Poland right back found out to his misfortune the other day, if Mbappe goes past you, you can't even grab his shirt. Forget grabbing the ball, forget taking the ball, forget getting the man or whatever. Mm. So, Kyle Walker alone, he will need a lot of support on the right side of the midfield. He'll possibly also need a deep-lying midfielder to, uh, you know, sort of help when uh, Mbappe has the ball. I think their best chance lies in cutting the supply line of Mbappe. And to do that, it'll require the kind of midfield discipline that it's, it's going to be phenomenal. It's going to take a lot to be able to do that because England also have a lot of attacking players. So, it'll need those players to be able to curb their natural instincts and then try and see if Mbappe can be uh, deprived of supply and then try and take the game to France. France has looked a very solid team. France has the experience of winning a World Cup and they are bringing that experience here to the fore. They have experience across departments and they have Mbappe. So, if England can stop Mbappe and France, it will also show the world that, you know, somebody who has the who strikes like lightning, who streaks across the pitch, can be contained. And it will show the world uh, how to do that. So, England-France game actually is interesting at different levels. That was it for this episode. If you want to reach out to us, you can find us on our Twitter handles at Vivek9301 and at DemanHT. If you're a true football fan, you cannot not subscribe to Kickoff our weekly newsletter on the world game which hits inboxes every Friday. For more updates on this podcast, follow HT Smartcast on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and LinkedIn. And to listen to more such podcasts, log on to htsmartcast.com. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. HT Smartcast HT Smartcast